to the Political Prisoner Podcast. I'm your host, Kimmy Gonzalez, and joining me today is January 6th defendant, Trinis Evans. Trinis is a family man, a businessman, and an American patriot from Texas. Welcome to the podcast, Trinis. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so glad that you are um, spending some time with me today. Um, I want to dive right in. Um, I want to begin by talking about some of these reports that are out there. You know, anyone does a basic Google search. Sure. We can see that you've been charged with obstruction, knowingly entering restricted grounds, violent entry on Capitol grounds. You took some shots of whiskey. You were inside the Capitol for 20 minutes and now your life has been turned upside down and inside out. But in all of those headlines, Trinis, this one has been my favorite of them all. And it's yeah. directly from, you may, you may know what I'm referring to, it's from Canyon Lake News. And this is the headline. Canyon Lake man arrested for taking fireball shots in Nancy Pelosi's office. You are facing 20 years in prison and hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines for drinking whiskey in Pelosi's office. So we've got to be missing something. What really happened that day? In in the rational mind, how does that equal 20 years in prison? What's going on? You know, I always say that it's a good thing that the lawmakers wrote themselves their own laws that they operate by, because if Nancy Pelosi were going to be charged uh, fines and uh, the kind of penalties that I'm being charged for drinking in her office, she'd be facing millions of dollars in fines and probably tens of millions of years in prison. Right. (laughs) But uh, anyway, that's another story. So. I know it's hard not to laugh, right? Exactly. Kind of for, I was chuckling to myself because you brought it up. It's kind of the first time I ever thought about it that way. So I was thinking, oh, that's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, anyway, the reality of this situation, um, let me let me put this, I, I guess, bluntly on this side of this. Number one, these are crimes that they allege, and I'm not sure that drinking at the Capitol is a crime, or as I don't think that there's anywhere in there that any of Drinking at the Capitol um, has netted me any. I don't see a specific charge related to that. I guess maybe that's what disorderly conduct is. I don't know. The fun thing about dealing with the federal government is, is they lay out a list of charges against you, and then they dump a box of information on you. It's a good point. And and this information that they dump on you, it's your job to figure out which part of it relates to what. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't do that. So, like when you were at state level crimes, they, that's not how it's, it's just done very differently. So. It's a, it's a fun new world, and I, for me, the whole thing's interesting and new because I've never been uh, charged with an actual criminal action before, so I don't have a criminal history. I guess, you know, there's a point system that I'm learning all about or have learned about about a year ago, and I started zero because I have no criminal. Forty At the time when I was charged, I was 46 years old and 47 now. I've never been charged with a crime before, so um, a criminal action. You know, a speeding ticket or what have you, some minor, you know, like everybody else, you know. Right. I didn't have my insurance card on me once, and they wrote me one of those fix-it tickets. And I didn't, you know, I had a lead foot as a kid, and I sped a lot. You know, but other than that, I don't have, you know, I don't have anything. 
never never been in the sights of the law for any reason. So that this is a whole new ball game, and yeah. and you're right about just being having stuff dumped on you, and then it's up to you and and I'm like your your legal team to make sense of it all, which it really doesn't make sense. No, um, it doesn't make sense because it's ridiculous. Right. The, I, we, have, we haven't treated, look, I'm going to be very blunt. There's different people that did different things that day, and it's not my place to pass judgment on anyone else. What each individual's actions are at any time in their life is going to be between them and the courts and God or whatever that situation may be and play out for however they believe it to be. The reality of this situation is that when you look at the crimes committed here, we haven't treated protesters like this since the civil rights abuses that were placed on people. It's a good point. Uh, prior to Martin Luther King, that was the last time we ever treated protesters like this in this country. Uh, this is some third world shenanigans is the nicest word I can come up with. I'm trying to be a somewhat semi-professional because I've got a lot of choice words I'd like to add to it, but that doesn't help us. So right. anyway. Yeah. Well, you know, going back to these news stories, the other thing yeah. that I noticed is in reading all of these reports, and they all say the same thing. Um, it's it's a few lines outlining the charges, but something that I've noticed, and I see this with a lot of the defendants that I've had the opportunity to meet and to interview, is no one has yet taken the time to ask what did you do? If, if this is what you're being charged with, what's your response to that? Um, what's your side of the story? We're, we're missing that. And, and sure. instead, you know, the, the charges, that's what's being plastered everywhere. So I want to give you this opportunity to set this straight. And what is your side of the story? What is your experience? But because I know it, I know this. I want our listening audience to know this because I want them to get the truth and then I want them to share the truth. So what is your experience from the Capitol on January 6th? Sure. Uh, so I, I, like everybody else, was there to hear the president speak. I often tell people to remember that as much as people say, well, you were at this protest, I was in a demonstration. Uh, the demonstration that I was at was one to demonstrate support for my elected officials that I believe were doing the right thing. As our courts and legislature, uh, courts showed great cowardice all throughout this process of what we witnessed in the election process here and getting to the bottom of this for the American people. And they left it to the legislative bodies in the states that were begging for their uh, sessions to be reopened and to look into the matters that they were dealing with and the fraud. And so I guess as the fail safe, if I guess for something of this nature would be the Electoral College to address these matters and have these debates. Um, as I like to point out that the Democrats do uh, almost every year, they object for some reason or another to the situation they jumped objected under Trump numerous times and they didn't have the support of senators house representatives objected without the support of senators which is out of line it's out it's not the way they do things there um, so people might say wow it's kind of funny for you to be saying it's out of line yeah I'll tell you what's out of line is stealing my elections stealing your elections and stealing freedom from my children these things are out of line so 
um, anyway. So I think if anyone's out of line, it's the federal government in this situation for many reasons. But that's another story. So as you ask me a direct question, let me kind of roll back to that. I finished the speech down at the Ellipse. I went back to my hotel after being there for five hours, standing in the cold in support of the president and people that were speaking and got more granola bars and waters and so forth and, and another bottle of fireball because I'd shared about most of the first one that I knew, figuring that we were going to be down there for, I read this way it worked, it was going to be six hours per state or six states, two hours per, up to two hours per state. And I think, you know, having that in mind, it was important to recognize what, uh, we could be there till two, three o'clock in the morning. I don't know what the, how those procedures work, but if anything in the government usually bogs down and moves slow, it's not a very efficient process in my, my experience. Right. So figuring, you know, hey, we could be here till wee hours of the morning, so I'm going to make sure I have my warm clothes and I grab an extra pair of gloves I had. I thought somebody will need gloves, we have plenty of water, plenty of granola bars, so forth, hand warmers, all that good stuff. Loaded my backpack full and uh, headed on down to the Capitol. And uh, upon arrival, there was, you know, people are like, oh, you crossed the barriers, you did this, what barriers? There was no barriers when I got there. I got there after 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, uh, when I got there, there was a sea of people everywhere from the balcony and the steps. And then the ble- there was people climbing around in the bleachers. There was people up on the balcony. There was people everywhere. And people were cheering and people were peaceful. I didn't see anything that went made me go, ooh, this is bad. You know, this was a simple situation of people looked happy. I saw people singing. I mean, it was actually pretty cool. I mean, I was like, wow. And, you know, I was thinking to myself, man, I shouldn't have waited so long. I'm never going to get a good seat. (laughs) I've never been to an electoral college event before. So, you know, I guess I was kind of excuse my ignorance. Um, When I went up on the balcony, I didn't know you couldn't go up on the balcony. Uh, You know, and they said, well, you should have known something was wrong. Really? How? I mean, there's a million people everywhere. By the way, we did a crowdsource app that we took a video up from a high point and spun around. It showed 1.7 million people in view and those things say they're accurate within 3% of of a crowd. So anyway, that whole nonsense about there was thousands or tens of thousands a couple, you know, protesters showed up for Donald Trump to make you sound like a fringe group is ridiculous at best. So And and Trinis, uh, I want to ask this one quick question. Was this your first visit to the Capitol? Uh, no, I wasn't. I was actually in the Capitol, uh, or not in the Capitol, in the in D.C. Um, I say be careful between the Capitol and the Capitol building, right? Right. My first was, um, I was in the Capitol back in November, December for the rallies then, too. So, I'm, you know, being at the other rallies uh, uh, and being all over the country at many rallies for, you know, what was going on, I felt like it was important to be there in support of what was going on. Okay. For, excuse me. Uh, about to sneeze. Uh, for what was going thank you for what was going on in our country that you know it was very obvious and people i said well how did you believe donald trump believe donald trump i didn't believe a man i believe my fellow citizens there was thousands of affidavits people coming forward telling stories under the penalty of perjury these were coaches soccer moms teachers firemen your you know your community that's a good point coming forward and saying hey i witnessed something wrong we all saw it on TV. I mean, they were boarding up the windows places. What, what do you need to board up the windows for when you're counting votes? What, what's up with that? People are watching. You know, why can't we watch? It's supposed to be a transparent situation. So anyone that has something to hide, fights like the Democrats fought over this election to keep things secret, to not expel information, to not let information out, 
that's usually not a good idea. When I go upstairs and ask which one of my two kids did something, the one that's going, hey, no, I was here. Here's my phone. Look and see. Versus the one that's going, nope, can't see. I was, nope, not me. Super well, I know really he did point. it. You know? yeah. um, I've been a dad long enough. You know, I'm a 19-year-old son, so that's <laughs> my oldest. But it's uh, what, a, what a joke this has all become. I think you know, you'd have to just turn a blind eye to reason to not have serious questions about this election. But that's another story. Uh, we didn't come to talk about the election. We came to talk about the Capitol that day. So, um, and that, so as I went up the steps there and, uh, as, you know, got up on the balcony, I was uh, filming and I was on my megaphone. I was saying, this is a peaceful protest. And, uh, you know, we're you're doing things right. And I went on and on about it at nauseam, which I have the videos of. And there's people in the crowd in agreement. And then I did hear some people say, well, mostly I don't know. Well, okay, what are they talking about? I thought, well, maybe something happened somewhere else. But as far as I could tell, I wasn't aware of anything that was wrong. I mean, people were happy and smiling. The police were standing at a line, like a perimeter, like, hey, you can't go past here. And, you know, no one was trying to go past where the police were. Right. They had set up a perimeter. That was very obvious. And if you look up on that balcony after 2 o'clock in the afternoon, you can see what that was. They were in their high-biz uh, reflective gear, standing there in a big rectangle around, I guess, what, whatever that door is, I guess it would go into Statuary Hall, I believe. Um, and, and then, you know, spread out about a hundred yards around it all the way down shoulder to shoulder and set up a perimeter. Not one indication, not one person was saying, Hey, you need to leave. You need to get out of here. Um, most people thought that it was okay. It would be where they were. And no uh, sign. Turn, no, no, turn. no inclination. No. So that's, that's kind of the, the, the part that's really disturbing, I think, for so many people. Right. And then, um, you know, the, the door was open. People were walking free-flowing in and out. And then another door opened while I was up on the Capitol. Lots of people were going in that door. And I kind of hung back. I was like, I don't know what's going on here, you know. I'm not sure if we can go in or not. So as people were coming and going freely in and out of the Capitol for, I don't know what it was, 40 minutes or an hour, I watched these people come and go, come and go, come and go, come and go. Uh, I started asking guys, they were coming out and some of the women and like, Hey, what's going on in there? And everybody was, you know, it's kind of funny. I wasn't even the first to get to them. There was kind of more listening. I had the, the question of what was going on, but as they were coming, people were coming out, people were going, well, what's it like, what's happening? What's going on? Are they, are they voting? What's happening? People were coming out and saying, I don't know. The police are cool. They're letting you in. And this went on for a while. I was like, okay, you know, I got to let you in. All right. And so, you know, we've seen a lot of people protest in the Capitol. You've seen it on TV. Right. You see it on the 6 o'clock news, 5 o'clock news, whatever it is. You say, oh, okay, there's more protesters at the Capitol, climate change, or whatever else. So you're kind of unsuspecting, if you will. And they go, well, there's no way you didn't see all that violence. I'm like, yeah, there is. If you didn't get there at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, it was over, whatever had happened before. The news reports that I saw later definitely showed me some things that were different. Mm -hmm. However... What I saw and what I could have seen or was aware of was a very different situation and scenario than what I was later able to attain from the news. But that's, like I said, again, a different story. So uh, I thought, you know, man, you could hear people and they were talking and it was fun. And I was like, man, what a great time to leave the national anthem. Oh, you know, so I let the national anthem up on the balcony with my megaphone and everybody was singing and I was very happy, and I thought, man, that that went over well. Everybody liked that. Let's do the Pledge of Allegiance. I always feel good about doing patriotic stuff, so uh, I'm one of those people that likes to say the Pledge of Allegiance, and I like to ask people to say it with conviction like they mean it, you know? Yeah. So 
led the Pledge of Allegiance, and uh, everybody joined in the Pledge of Allegiance. And what I uh, came to notice was somebody was like, man, that was cool. Did you see everybody down below singing it too? And I was like, no, I missed that. So as the Pledge of Allegiance went on, I kind of got a glimpse of that. It was really cool to watch all the people down on the ground saying it. I guess if that makes me the leader of the insurrection, then I guess a badge I'll wear proudly. Uh, uh, the idea that that was an insurrection um, is so obtuse and idiotic and such a horrible label like deplorables and Correct. racists and everything else. Oh, look, we've worn a lot of labels over the last year, you know, over the years here as conservatives or Republicans. And I always say I'm not necessarily Republican. I think I'm conservative in value, um, but I, you know, straddle the line on a lot of the things that the RNC might say that there's their steadfast policy. I'm not going to get into the details of my politics. It's not important in this, but I'm not a diehard, hardcore, far right Republican, but I will tell you what, I've become a whole lot more entrenched in being conservative through what I've witnessed over this last year, because I think you have to have a balance and the idiocy of the Biden administration, um, which I believe to be a fraudulent administration. And I think that proof is every day more pre uh, prevalent that uh, you, we've, we're being forced a direction rather than not we wanted to be there because you need balance and we have to balance with this um, evil and duplicitous uh, administration. Uh, that doesn't have any idea or interest in upholding our laws, our sovereignty, our borders, uh, our rights. And as those things continue to erode, people like me will continue to grab on and dig in and entrench and say, yeah, we're not going to go that direction because you're not going to pervert or violate my constitution. I require as a free citizen that you continue to respect and uphold my constitution. You took an oath to do so. That's right. And if you fail, then, well, we'll have to deal with that in, uh, however that comes. So hopefully that uh, most people, I would hope, that can see that there are peaceful, legal, and lawful solutions to these problems. And I would like uh, nothing more than to have that be the answer. So, But um, you were asking about the Capitol, so we'll get back to that. And I want to get off my politics soapbox here. <laughs> Sorry. So... I, there was a there was a ramp. Um, they called it. I believe some friends of mine have educated me. Said it's a handicapable ramp, and uh, that's what it should be referred to. I said, okay, I can go with that. So what we you know one time used to call the handicap ramp. So uh, there was a ramp of people, and there was kind of a you know it was like three wide coming trying to go in, and you know people squishing by on the side trying to get out, and you know there was no tear gas or smoke or. Uh, anything that you know would give you an indication that things were bad and i did notice when i got up closer to the building the window had been broken out i didn't really notice that right off but i did notice the vintage window had been broken um and it, i was like you know i didn't break the window the doors open i mean you know i'm that, you know you think that maybe just people got too excited maybe that's what it was early on there was too many people and they went in you know made dumb choice and broke out a window you know, if you've been in D.C. for other events, broken windows, broken glass, uh, flipped over cars, burning stuff, trash cans on fire, none of these things become foreign to you. kind of normalizes oddities, what we would just consider to be oddities in other places as you watch protests emerge, street fights, uh, large-scale brawls, Antifa and BLM, and, and uh, you know, so forth. Um, 
you see all this and it just it's it, it can be very disturbing at first and you I honestly it becomes normal after you've been there a few times over and you've been in other places in the country where this stuff's going on right but um Anyway, so no, no excuses here. I'm a, I'm a big boy. I made my own choices. I've been on my own free will and volition. So I walked up closer. I didn't want to get stuck in this ramp because once you got on this ramp, I do believe a lot of people are like, well, I didn't know I couldn't do anything. I was stuck and I got kind of pushed in. Well, if you got in the middle of that ramp, you really weren't going to have a choice as you got up there. You were probably going forward unless you really kind of wanted to fight the crowd back. There was a lot of people. And I say fight and, and you know, kind of jockey your way back out of that. It would have been difficult. It was hard to get out. Because um, there were so many people going in, and they were peaceful, and there was no fighting, there was nothing going on. I approached the window and I looked inside, and I could see the police standing there, a big line of them. Um, people were shaking hands with them. There was people taking selfies with the police. There was people giving thumbs up, you know, pounding at knuckles style, with you know, in, in the sense of "Hey, buddy" kind of stuff, yeah. not fighting. It was all peaceful interaction with the police. People were talking to them. Uh, I was just, you know, all of the people draped in flags, people discussing it with them. Some of the guys had their riot shield helmets up. Some didn't have them on. They didn't even were just in regular, I guess, the Capitol Police uniforms. You know, I just got an iconic video of watching in J.D. Rivera's video points to that. You can see it coming in. He videoed actually entering. I started videoing just after I entered. So I was like, man, okay, this is cool. I want to go see what's going on. I'm like everybody else. Stepped through the window there. People are like, oh, they crawled through the window. Anyone that watches the video sees that you just plainly step up on the windowsill and walk through. I mean, it's like two, two and a half feet high, you know, to step up there, maybe three. Uh, so the agile people, a lot of them went through the window. And it's like, I guess there's, you know, having some agility is not working in your favor in this case because you went through the window now, they say. So anyway, after going on, I thought, you know, like the police are standing over there, people are talking to them. I got a video of it, kind of like, hey, there's my proof that it was cool. And I was like, wow, you know, I want to sing the national anthem again. I just, you know, kind of felt it come over me and started leading the national anthem and marched down a hallway. Um, I say march, there's a loosely as a term, you know, there was no actual march, no cadence, just singing the national anthem. I got down there to what's called Statuary Hall, which is probably a 50 or 70 yard walk inside the building, which is an exterior hallway that takes you there. And there was people chanting USA, USA. So I was like, all right, yeah, USA. I'm, I'm down for that chant anytime. I love the USA. Let's chant it. You know, uh, there was people uh, standing around talking on their phone. The police were leaned up against the wall looking like they were at a high school ball game. I have that video evidence. Uh, I think it's always been very interesting to talk about. You were part of the violent mom. Really? A violent mob? I was, and what part was I violent? Where I sang the national anthem or led the Pledge of Allegiance? I'm trying to figure it out. Which one was more violent to you? So anyway, um, as I was, kind of, everybody was just kind of going around in a circle in there and chanting USA and uh, people were being, I guess that the worst thing that they were being would be loud. Wow. Um, okay. that, that was the worst of what I saw is people being loud. So, um, and it wasn't in a derogatory way to the police. I just saw the police there and I saw stuff. And then I saw somebody carrying something by, even, you know, a code rack or something, some object. And I didn't notice that people were talking about, you know, getting a souvenir. And I was like, ah, come on. That's not what we're here for. Don't, don't, you know, not cool. Um, but, you know, I guess in their mind, in their moment, you know, whatever. And I, so I said, uh, I, do not damage, do not harm. This is a peaceful protest. And Remember, you were, you're in a peaceful protest over the my megaphone, by the that. way. Okay. 
Okay. I was just wanting to make sure that we clarified that, that you were telling people we don't do that. Yeah. We, okay. I was on my megaphone on video. I have the video evidence of that saying, do not damage, do not harm. This is a peaceful protest. I reminded people, I said, we're not BLM. We're not Antifa. We don't destroy our buildings. We don't burn our cities. We don't terrorize people. This is a peaceful protest. And, you know, said that I'm looking over at the police and they saw that. And said, you know, we back the blue was one of the statements. You know, the funny enough to me, this is what's so strange. The prosecution, the United States federal prosecution people, AUSA, they're called, even acknowledged this in my charging documents that I was saying, we back the blue. This is a peaceful protest. This is the charges against me. I'm like, do you guys read what you're writing here? Does this even make sense? You're actually putting this in there and you're, while you're charging me with a felony and, I don't know, four or five misdemeanors, whoever's counting, whatever. Anyway. You know, uh, Trinus, I have often wondered in hearing people describe, you know, that, that you were, um, that many of the defendants were talking to the police, that they're just standing around. I've often wondered how many, how many people that are in the gulag right now, how many people that are facing charges like yourself actually had conversations with the police and, and you were saying, you know, we support you. Thank you. Thank you for what you do. I, I think about myself when I see a police officer out and about, I make a point to say, thank you for what you do. Thank you for, for well, putting your life on the line. How many people yeah. have been charged? And yet that's the kind of conversation they were having with. with Give me around half of the people in there are veterans and the other, and I'm not saying the other half, but still half of the people in there also are not charged with violent acts. So that are sitting there, that really has to do with the timing of when you were arrested and hold off to DC and how the, I, I don't know how else to say it, but those that rule with their, uh, from the bench with, um, I don't know if they're brainwashed and actually believe what the media and what people have told them and all they've seen is the violent side of that day or if they are something else. I don't know what, I don't know how to describe it. It's frustrating because I know what I saw. I, the video evidence doesn't lie. I mean, the video evidence, I can't wait till people see in court, the video evidence against me. Um, at any rate, the, uh, police came over to me about that time. I'm literally, I mean, I have the video and they're like with their foot up on the wall, looking at their video. There's a guy walking through with a folder, dropping some, like taking his paperwork from his off one office to another, it looks like, or, I mean, it's very casual. There's no one like running or in a defensive position. They're just like, okay, the protesters are protesting. You know? I mean, it's very benign uh, from where my, my perspective and what I was able to see that day. I'm not saying other things didn't happen. I'm just saying that there's a tale of many cities depending on where you were, when you entered, how a time you entered there, how long you were inside in that area, that you really could have been in a lot of different places throughout the day and never been witness to any fighting. I'm, you know, I'm, I think it's terrible that we had officers that, you know, there's people hurt from both sides here, both protesters that were killed and officers that were hurt. Um, and, but, you know, I will tell you that some of these officers made some really bad decisions and how they treated some people. And there's certainly some cases that it appears to me that it may have been that the people in the crowd took 
uh, opportunity to try and defend somebody like Roseanne Boylan, who they obviously beat to death. The video evidence quite plainly shows that, um, or at least that they were beating her lifeless body. One or the other, either way it was, I mean, you don't just, you can't just let stand and let someone beat someone that's unconscious. Uh, you have a responsibility to humanity, if not to the law, to step in and try and intervene in that situation. So anyway, that's another story. I wasn't a part of that, but um, I will never support anyone that beats someone to death. Yeah. Uh, there's no, there's never a cause for that or call for that anywhere in our uh, system of justice. Uh, as a police officer, to uphold the law, you should certainly never. So let me also say my father-in-law was a state trooper, or my father, or grandfather was a state trooper, and my father-in-law was a chief of police for 30 years. So the idea that I don't have respect for law enforcement is absurd and obtuse. All it would have taken was for an officer to tell me, hey, man, out. And I would have been, yes, sir. <laughs> See you later. Right. You know, so. But I will say when those police officers approached me and they came to me and uh, he pulled his mask up. We were both known wearing their mask, you know, not a mask person. It's, you know, you can wear yours if you want to. Um, but anyway, when the police officer approached me, I, I said, um, quite plainly as he approached that he pulled his mask up and out of respect I pulled my mask up right right as we got to each other just you know when we leaned in to talk and he says what uh, I said yes sir and uh, he said what do you think we can do about getting some of these people out of here I quickly responded go ahead what's that I, I said that's interesting and he said what do you think we can do about getting some of these people out of here I quickly responded, I don't know. There's more coming. I mean, because when I came in, there was a huge line of people, I don't know, three wide. I don't know how many deep <laughs> coming in. I'm going filling that entire ramp. There was a lineup of people come, to come in, and it, it seemed, you know, there was calling mean, people. I don't know. People wanted to get closer to the protest. I couldn't tell you in the moment exactly what went through my head. Just, hey, we were protesting down here at the Ellipse. Now we're all up here protesting. Now we're done protesting up here. We're going to uh, protest over here. You know, you just keep following. You become kind of a lemming in the crowd, if you will. You're walking in a big crowd of people, and this is the direction we're going. I've always wondered why the Capitol Police, if the campground grounds are breached, it became a dangerous situation. Why didn't they cut off somewhere along the way and turn people around? It just seems like, you know, they have a lot more experience. This wasn't their first go-round in D.C. with protesters and stuff going on. They do a really good job of cutting off stuff and sending crowds back and separating people. It's odd that they didn't do any of those things that day. I don't know. I'm not a police tactical expert on how they handle, you know, crowds uh, in situations, but it just seems odd. I've watched them do it. Other yep. event. Yeah. You would think. Anyway, so he indicated to me that he was trying to get people leaving. And I, and I said, oh, sir, I don't see anybody, uh, anybody here, uh, he said, oh, he said, I'm sorry, let me back up. I said, yes, sir. He said, I said, well, there's more coming. He's, he actually uh, said F, expletive, you know, kind of thing. And I said, well, uh, he says, well, we just don't want anyone getting hurt or damaged in the building. I said, sir, I don't see anybody damaged in the building. And uh, if you hurt them, you, that would be unconstitutional. You know, and people have always asked me, they said, well, well you know, what, what did you mean? I was like, well, peaceful protesters, the police aren't supposed to hurt peaceful protesters. You know, peaceful protesters are supposed to have the right to assemble and be peaceful. It just goes along with, I can't help what I didn't know was going on or had happened that day or what occurred. And that, you know, you can't be responsible for what you're not aware of. That's just, it's always seemed 
absurd to me that everybody there must have known that these things, horrible things had occurred. I thought somebody vandalized part of the Capitol building and went, oh, okay, you know, um, this is dumb. That was a dumb choice. Um, looking back, I go, okay, it was kind of a dumb choice to go through the window. But when the police are standing there, it's kind of like I said, I felt like I walked along and came up on the aftermath of something. And, you know, these days we all want to play amateur journalists with our old cameras, but, uh, and that's kind of, you know, I guess I got sucked into a little bit of that. Plus, you know, being a patriotic American, loving my country, wanting to be closer to whatever was happening. So anyway, back to the statuary hall. Sorry. Um, after I, he gave me that indication, he said, well, we're just trying to get people out of here or, or asking me about, you know, what I could do to help them get people out of there. I went, Okay, it dawned on me after our conversation that they were trying to get people to leave. Mm-hmm. So being aware that they were trying to get people to leave, the very first thing I did is turn around and march right back down the same hallway I came in from, this 50, 70-yard hallway. And on the way back, to, I almost made it back to the entry point, and I, and I happened to notice something I didn't notice on the way the first time. There was a, a window in a room that you know had a big conference table at it and i was like wow i could see outside and you could see the police perimeter and then you could see all the people everywhere and this whole view of all the way down the street of just a sea of people and i was like man i gotta get a picture of that before i got out of here so i stepped in there to snap a picture and when i entered i noticed that people were making sandwiches and sitting around a conference table and talking and people on their phones, kind of like, wow, hey, I'm, so I'm at the Capitol. And you know, I was like, wow, okay. You know, that was what was happening. So I go over and I take my little picture and wave out of the window. I see people waving and I wave back and, and uh, to people. And uh, as I step down, there's a guy and he says, um, he's pulling out a big old handle of Jack Daniels out of his backpack. And, and he takes a big swig, and I was like, ooh, that looks pretty good. And I like Jack Daniels. And, and uh, <laughs> so I was like, yeah, pardon me, sir, but may I? May I? And he says, uh, why, certainly. And I said, why, thank you, sir. And we kind of had these uh, gray poupon, you'll remember the old yeah. commercial who holds them. We had these kind of gray poupon voices on, you know. And people were sitting around the conference table, kind of, you know, I don't know what they were doing. I kind of noticed that some were kind of having some kind of like a mock court, like a congressional session of their own or something. I don't know what they were doing, but it, I wasn't really paying attention, but they're kind of looking back, watching the videos now. I've seen it. It's kind of uh, interesting trying to figure out what they were doing. But um, I think that they were making a mockery maybe of uh, Congress, which I don't know that how they could make a bigger mockery of Congress than Congress makes of itself, but, you know, whatever. Um, the reality of that was is i thought man i gotta get a shot of uh having a picture of that you know and a little shot and i'm going to get the window in the backdrop and the girl was kind of facing a different way i asked her hey can you take a little video and uh, I, I took a shot of my uh cinnamon whiskey it wasn't a celebration of anything it was just a wow look here you know hey remember where i was and i sent a wanted to send a big uh shout out to my buddy so immediately then i left and went back outside walked around a little bit more, talked to a little bit of people. Um, that was nothing going on in there. It was pretty cool, except they don't think, I'm trying to think they're trying to get people out, so I'm gonna stay outside. Some guy asked to use my megaphone. I say, sure, use the megaphone. Um, another guy asked to use, he says, can you borrow? And I said, sure. And next thing I know, this guy takes off inside with it. And I was like, well, I guess that's gone forever. I'm gonna <laughs> chase that down, because I've already only indicated they didn't want me to be in there. It seemed like they were trying to get people out. So. I'm going to stay out. And I'm like, whatever, it's not that important. And uh, 
So I thought, well, I'll take a walk. Maybe I'll find this guy. And I tried to walk around that balcony. Maybe he'll come out the other side or something. So when I walked around the balcony to the other side, what I saw was a very different situation. There was a lot going on there. The people weren't patriotic sounding. They weren't singing. They weren't doing the same things that were happening on the same side of the balcony I was on. And we never knew. I mean, it was literally a tale of two cities. It was like I went through a time warp to a totally different place. And I went, whoa, I don't know what's going on here. And I looked at people and people were like standing there watching or shaking their head like, what the heck? And I was like, yeah, okay, I don't, I didn't sign up for this. I don't want to be a part of that kind of thing. That's not what I'm here for. So I turned around and left and started heading back out and down, uh, back down around the balcony or, you know, on the balcony around to where I had entered to go to the steps that go down that big, you know, iconic set of steps that come down the face of the Capitol there. And uh, as I started down that, I happened to hear this guy on a megaphone. I look over and there's my blue megaphone. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, all right. And this guy's spouting off something or another. And I was like, I hope it's mine. It could be another one. It's not the only blue megaphone in the world pile megaphone. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, wait a minute, look at there. There's my knots in it that I tied because I shortened it up because it was banging around at my waist and I wanted it to hang up on my chest. So then I walked over and this guy's spouting off about some letter and something or another and they maced me and I'm like, whatever, all right. And I gave him a second. I'm like, hey, dude, my, my megaphone need to cough it up. <laughs> and he goes, oh, but I, I was like, oh, no, I need the megaphone. Come on, let's go. Because I wanted out of there after what I saw on the other side. Yeah. And. And finally, uh, relents and hands over the megaphone. I get another little flight of steps down or coming down a little bit. The guy comes running up to me from below about a, a flight there and says, hey, hey, you got to read this. It's from President Trump. I'm like, oh, yeah, really? Well, let's see. He sent you a messenger. <laughs> so anyway, so I take a minute, but it's from Steve Scalise. It's from his Twitter account. message seems like it's legit, and it's you know President Trump saying, asking people to go home, mm-hmm. asking people to, uh, you know, respect law and order, great men and women in blue or Capitol police are truly on the side of our country and so on. And, um, so I felt like I've this is something I'll read to the public. Sure. So I took the main phone and I began reading this message that was from president Trump to Steve Scalise, because I believe in that kind of thing, which is kind of why I was leaving <laughs> a lot of, well, kind of, um, exactly why I was leaving. I didn't like what I saw on the other side and the police had already made the indication they wanted people to leave. So I wanted to make sure, um, they didn't, you know, it's like I said, it's so, so uh, hard for me to explain this. They didn't tell me to leave. They didn't say you need to leave. They didn't say get people out of here. They indicated that they would like to get people out. And that was all it took for me. I didn't need a direct order, just yes. enough, you know, information saying we want people to leave. And that was enough. I mean, I'm not going to be a hindrance to their operation. If you're asking me to leave, you got it. No problem. That's all it took. It's amazing that there weren't officers doing what you were doing, that there weren't. Why were they standing around places? Why didn't they, why didn't that line of 12 or 15 officers? Do we not have, do we have not have enough money in the budget (laughs) to fund megaphones for, well, they have a Please. PA system at the Capitol. Exactly. Why didn't they use it and say this crowd should disperse? This has been, con- and they have said this crowd should be dispersed. It's been considered a riot. I'm going to tell you what, you would have been fighting me to be the first guy out of there, you know? So, yeah. um, it's, it's, a, it, it, it will, it angers you to learn, the, you know, how this went down. Anyway, so I know we're running short on time, but I kind of want to finish this for you and give you Richard Barnett turned out to be the guy that had my megaphone, that last guy that I explained about the megaphone. I read the order dispersed, and Richard was, you know, he was pretty upset. He'd been maced, and I understand he seemed, you know, pretty upset about things. 
And he kept yelling in my ear about this letter and this letter and this letter. And somebody else was yelling something about something they had. And I was like, man. So I quickly turned to him and I said, hey, I don't support looting. I don't support violence. I came here to support a peaceful protest to put them on notice that we, the people, demand justice. I was very blunt about my feelings and my statements. I meant every word I said about my feelings and my statements. And uh, I immediately at that time exited Capitol grounds. I was um, totally off balance after I got back to off the Freedom Plaza Hotel where I was staying and sat down and heard that Joe, when Joe Biden came on TV and talked about awful and insurrection and everybody there was a seditionist. And I was like, what the hell are you talking about? Well, it wasn't the first time Joe Biden was going to say something crazy. I guess we should have gotten used to it, which is what we're used to it yet. Cause he wasn't even president yet. He was president elect allegedly. And, uh, so I, I was just like this crazy old man. I you cannot believe this guy just said this. Everybody there was an insurrectionist and a seditionist. I'm thinking to myself, look, buddy, if I came for an insurrection, I wouldn't have come with granola bars. I wouldn't have come with water bottles and there'd be a trail of people or, or I wouldn't be walking out. I mean, if you come for an insurrection, that's kind of a get her done kind of job or else, right? You don't like half haphazardly or halfway do something like that. And I think about that and I feel so bad for all these people. You know, you've got Jeremy Brown who didn't even go in. You got Christopher Worrell. You've got all these people that were military. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm struggling for some names and I know their cases so well and their names are right at the moment. It's just I get a little milked up here about it because I go, you know, if those people came for an insurrection, these were highly trained special forces people by the United States government. They can't honestly believe as the United States government that highly trained special forces people came for an insurrection and didn't manage to leave a trail of bodies. Please. You think it would have been clubs and batons? They would have brought guns. Let's be real. Let's call it what it really was, a protest that got out of hand. There's people there that took some actions that they're probably going to regret. They're probably very sorry they did. There's other people there that the government won't share and tell you the truth of, that they may or very likely be justified in some of their actions, um, of what they're, you know, what they're saying they did. And I think there's probably going to be some outright lies from the government. I mean, we've seen that. I think Dave Summerall over at Stop Hate and Taylor Hansen have released a great piece right yes. lately. And uh, that is thanks to a lot. Thanks to, I know one of the huge hands in that is one of the unsung heroes. And it's a name people need to remember is Gary McBride. Gary McBride has given a serious time credence to the video work behind January 6th. And I think some of these attorneys are going to end up, I know that there's attorneys already talking about bringing him on to consult and paying him for information to help locate information about their client, you know, you know different angles that may help um, show some of the, what they, they're going to need. Gary's been uh, in basically his own institution in the video research or so far as I'm concerned in this, but he's amazing. Uh, yeah. There's unsung heroes out here that, you know, it's great to be the Taylor Hanson. It's great to be, you know, somebody like me that goes on and interviews or, you know, get to talk, you know, and people want to hear what you have to say because you're charged in this. But, man, there'd be a lot of people in a whole lot worse way without Gary McBride and the work he's done. And he's not the only one, but there's, I don't know, he's the one I'm familiar with. And I, so I give certain, you know, certainly give thanks for people like Gary McBride. If uh, God didn't put those people in our, in our uh, line here, you know, to help. And it'd be very clear. He wasn't even at January 6th. He was at home in Texas. I think if my understanding is correct, 
Um, he just happens to be a guy that's taking it up on himself to go through a lot of video footage. So he has a, uh, something five news that he deals in uh, on YouTube. And uh, you can look him up there and see what he's talked about. So Gary's a very interesting fellow. There's people that have dedicated to this. Uh, I'm very appreciative that Don, Don, uh, President Trump has finally come out and said something about it. Right. Um, I will say one of the things is Donald Trump, President Trump, is not responsible for my actions. I'm not going to blame him, and I don't respect the cowardice of those that do. You all heard very plainly and very clearly, just as I did, peacefully and patriotically march down to our Capitol. If you read something else into that, if you chose to believe something else, that's your choice. Because as far as I'm concerned, I heard it loud and clear because I was still at the ellipse. And I don't know where you got that you were supposed to do anything else. I get it that I shouldn't have gone in the building. That was a bad idea. It didn't help me out. But, you know, honestly, other people that have gone in the Capitol building and protested, have gotten $50 fines, time served. I think, you know, if you look back at the uh, confirmation hearings for Kavanaugh, there was right. people that went in the Kavanaugh hearing. And if I were to say, hey, how, how would you, how could I overcharge them and go nuts hog wild on them like they did on January 6th people on everybody from grandmas to Trina Evans to uh, Christopher Orell's, Jessica Watkins to all these people. How could you go hog wild? Well, here's how it would play out. The people that plan to go in for the Kavanaugh hearings do what they did. They conspired to do it in large groups. They talked about it openly. They knew what they were going to do. They had a plan for how to disrupt that process. So they conspired to obstruct a congressional process. They obstructed a congressional process. Then they were loud and disruptive. They, you know, parading and picketing, I think, falls under those things. Um, if I, if I, if I'm not incorrect and then, uh, maybe, uh, then on top of that, they got out they were arrested by the Capitol police, saw their little magistrate, got a $50 fine. Thanks for playing. See you later for your civil disobedience and went back and did it all over again. Exactly. And I think there's one of the cases where the same person did it three times in the same day. And they finally gave her the night in jail and like a three or $500 fine. And go about with your life. Yes. And you and I'm facing 23 years in prison. You know, I mean, you've got to be joking. You wanted your goal is to destroy people based on it's obvious what's happening now with the January 6th committee. This is about the destruction of a Christian conservatives, the destruction of a MAGA movement, the destruction of President Trump. They've tried. I mean, they lied and tried. Russian collusion was a hoax, and we all know it now. The guy that did the Russian collusion. He affected an entire nation, possibly, and even if this election would have been legit, maybe affected the outcome of a presidential election with his lies. And he's got like 400 hours of community service and probation. You've got to be kidding me, you know, for falsifying the document that led to the whole Russian collusion hoax. Right. And, and I'm the scourge of the earth. What about the people that fleece our pockets? What about the people that do what they do? They undermine our democracy every day. They fleece our pockets. They violate the Constitution. They pervert the Constitution. And I'm supposed to sit there and go, I'm so sorry. I apologize. And I've often said the idea that I stand trial in their court is like the idea. And I don't, this is no slight against the judges, but this, those that pervert the system. Let me make very clear about that. But I mean, can you imagine it? It's like, Pee Wee Herman was being tried by Jeffrey Dahmer for crimes of the flesh. I mean, really, let's be real. So if we, 
have time, I actually wrote something here this morning out of my uh, <laughs> frustration about our people in this country right now. Do we have two minutes still, Kimmy? Share as, and then we'll start uh, wrapping things up. But definitely, yeah. I would love to hear to hear this. I wrote this this morning in response to some folks, and I think it'll be very clear who it's to. You sit and ponder how on earth can this be happening in the great land of the free and the home of the brave to the men and women of January 6th. You are shaking your head in disbelief and agreement with me at the mere mention of the moment that encapsulates the lives of over 700 people who you allege to be your brothers and sisters. I can speak of tyranny, oppression, and communism. You would again agree, yet not yet have not so much as left your chair. You ponder the invisible chains of communism as you witness the abided administration shackle them onto you, your family, and future generations. Thus far, Americans, you have proven to lack the courage, fortitude, and resolve, and potential sacrifice one makes to stand against tyranny. Those who would lead the fight against communism are the January 6th political prisoners you allow to remain locked away in the dungeons of the king you allow to be installed. Your absence January 6th provides your consent of inaction to be the subjects of your new masters as you now kneel before the world for all to see. Americans, the great need keepers of freedom, have fallen in servitude. I suppose you are saying no and aghast and exclaiming that I am wrong in this moment. Why hear you? Your heartfelt cries. America, land of the free and the home of the brave, don't tread on me. Where we go one, we go all. Give me liberty or give me death. You dare say these things. You are proving to be a far cry from those who made these statements. Don't get me wrong. You have the verbiage down cold, the shirts, the hats, the pens, and the stickers to prove it, especially our endless battalions of keyboard warriors amazingly they charge fearlessly into the depths of the virtual world, undeterred by the wrath of the liberals. I hear you loud and clear, believe me, quote-unquote patriots. If this were a war of merchandise and saber-rattling, you would already be doing victory dances and telling your children the tales of your bravery on high. Well, hell, I can even hear it now. Robert the Fierce once bought three shirts and flew four flags from his truck in a single day. Mary, Queen of Flags, flew Old Glory daily and started Facebook pages telling everyone in her sewing circle about the atrocities ongoing and she'd had enough. Let us not forget John the Great. He commented and posted strong sentiments daily and even made his own memes. Oh, herald to us the stories of Daniel the Bold. He was thrown in Facebook jail and deplatformed time and again, yet he stood firm in the face of tyrants, King Zuckerberg and Dorsey. What heroes we have become. I can't wait to sit in awe in honor of your reception of the medals and witness your ceremonies. I see parades for those with the most social media sites and likes. Will you sit atop floats brandishing shiny laptops with your banners of your namesake on your screen for display for all to see? What time do we live in where our patriots are given no quarter? Merciless is unattainable and injustice proves unparalleled. Shall we label this the great age of inaction or indifference? I'm not sure which will be your legacy. You have allowed this. You sit idly by as mere protesters with the righteous cause of voicing an opinion for you who were unavailable 
are now detained. Others were men and women who demanded justice on your behalf as you were much too busy that weekend to attend and do it yourself. The great people in this country will stand again, and you have to decide if you are great and find the courage in your heart to stand with them. I honestly do not care what you say, but what you do. Will your children wonder what freedom was or why it disappeared? What story will you tell in your role to save America? If you did not know immediately, stay home, tighten your chains, get on your knees, and pray you can one day be half the patriot of Ashley Babbitt or those in the gulags in D.C. have proven to be. I'd like to add one last thing to that, Kimmy, that's not written. Yes. It became apparent to me through a meme just the other day that there was a two-year-old and some odd girl holding a sign that said, I never knew freedom. What was it? Wow. As she wears her mask and she has a vaccine passport in her other hand. And that broke my heart. And I thought, we're approaching the age. There are children now that can talk, but they will never speak of freedom because they don't know it, or at least not the version we grew up with. Right. They'll grow up with vaccine mandates and passports and masks. And, and fear. 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 Yeah. So anyway, so I, like I said, I wrote that this morning in response to the keyboard and nothing warriors. Well, I appreciate your sentiments. Just bottle it up and save it, shove it up here. You know what? That anyway. that was very powerful, and you know. it definitely makes a point. And and with that, sadly, um, I have to wrap up today. Yeah, sorry we episode. went long. I appreciate you giving me a little leeway. This, this was uh, a wonderful opportunity, and I'm so glad that you spent your afternoon with me. Um, My pleasure. I want to thank you for joining me. I want to thank our listening audience, and, and I just remind you, those of you that are tuning in to this, please share. We have to get the truth told. Visit our website, lookaheadamerica.org, for the latest news, the updates. We also have links to our earlier podcast. Sign up to volunteer and to support our work through donation. We appreciate you. Until next time, America first, America forever.